0: Song Facts Get
2: you some facts right here song facts Hello music lovers and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your humble host Corey O'Flanagan and I just want to start out by saying thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for loving music And uh, just appreciating all of you taking some time to listen to this. And hopefully you'll like it. You'll subscribe. You'll leave us a review or two. And you'll maybe tell a friend. That'd be even better. So we are proudly in partnership with the Pantheon Podcast Network, pantheonpodcast.com. If you love all things music, go and check it out. There are so many different podcasts out there that you can dive into and there is just a wealth of information covering all genres and people alike. Today, we are so excited to be talking to the incomparably talented Misty Boyce. Misty is a prolific singer and songwriter. She has been on touring acts with Ingrid Michaelson, Lord Huron, and even Sting. She did the uh, halftime show with him at the NCAA tournament a few years ago. So we kind of dive into that experience and how all of these things in her life have led her to where she is today. She has a new album, which is dropping on September 25th and is called Genesis. So go and buy that, support your artists, and by all means, enjoy Misty Boyce. Okay, Misty Boyce, your beautiful little kitchen. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
2: Great, thank you. Besides, just kind of a hectic day for me, as you heard. Um, I, you know, there's just so many questions. This is, um, I've done a lot of interviews in different podcast forums. I've been listening to your music all weekend. I'm, I've been so nervous. You're so talented.
0: <laughs> oh, thank. You. you (laughs) yeah
2: it's so good I just I love your voice and I said something I I emailed you something and then I kind of instantly regretted it after I hit send I said like I've been listening to this on like a rainy morning while drinking my coffee and I was like maybe that's not what she wants her music to represent no I
1: mean it's 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 out there now it's like appropriated for whoever wants to use it for whatever I have like I love
2: that thanks for letting me off the hook (laughs) um, so I'm kind of curious just kind of give me some give us some background on this when did music become a big part of your life um you know was your family into music like when did you start playing instruments that kind of stuff give us a little bit of your background
1: um my my family, like, is my my mom and dad both like dabbled in playing. Like, my dad would play some Elvis songs on guitar, mm-hmm. and I remember like really resonating with that. So that that's probably like where it started. Um, and uh, but I it really kicked into high gear once um, Mariah Carey uh came onto the scene. Oh wow! And I just <laughs> totally fell in love with her. And you needed this, to hit a she was, high like, B. Singing Mariah Carey songs. I don't I thought I could like who knows uh in my memory I was like singing everything she was singing um <laughs> but that's probably impossible uh, <laughs> as, as a 7 year old like, there's no way but I definitely thought like in the shower I was hitting all those notes
2: Oh that's awesome.
1: Um <laughs> so she was sort of like the beginning of me wanting to be like a performer.
2: Yeah. And then when did, what was the first instrument that you started learning?
1: uh piano my my parents got us me and my brothers into like t-ball piano and that was it t-ball and piano and they were like we'll see which sticks like are they athletic or are they musical and like i picked music and my brothers picked sports and like that's just how that went down
2: i think you made the right choice i mean that's one way to do it too is just start juggling balls and see which one end up you end up catching
1: they're like, uh, she doesn't run very fast and she's always crying on the field. She probably doesn't like it. Um, but her teachers seem to think she's good at music. So let's do that.
2: Yeah, let's roll with that. So um, so you started playing piano. Do you play any other instruments? Well, you've got a guitar yeah, in your hands.
1: I play guitar and I actually played um, drums a little bit in, in middle school and high school. Like on, I was on drumline for marching band. We, our marching band was really competitive in high school and Drumline was like the cool kids of marching band. Awesome. So I, I did that and yeah.
2: So you can do some, you can do some nice rolls?
1: I can do some rolls. I can do some rudiments. Some uh, rudiments, um, yeah.
2: Really well, yeah. <laughs> did, uh, where did you grow up?
1: Uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So then when did you get to LA?
1: Um, I actually really hated LA and the idea of California at first, be- I think because it was so close to home and I just like wanted something entirely different. So when I left home at 18, I went to college in Ohio and then I moved to New York City after that. And I lived in New York for like seven years. And then oh, wow. I moved to LA after seven years because I was like, I actually think I do want to be closer to my family. Maybe I- Maybe I like them now. And L.A. Just like New York, really was a rough town to mm-hmm. live in. Um, uh, if you're not like super loaded, it's it's always a hustle. And I kind of got tired of the hustle after a while. And like L.A. Just seemed like like my friends who were moving to L.A. were just getting work faster and easier and better better work, better pay, like all of that. So I was like, I'm gonna go. I'm going to try that out. And then it worked
2: out. Interesting. That, I mean, it's definitely worked out. So, I mean, that kind of leads me into my next question. You've had, um, the extreme benefit of touring with some really amazing acts. And I will give a shout out to Annie Renaud who was able to connect us, which was so phenomenal. Um, in a past life, I was her real estate broker.
1: Yeah.
2: And, um, but you've toured with Lord Huron, Ingrid Michaelson, and even Sting. So talk to me a little bit about that. Like, I'm curious how that has maybe. um, what are some things that you've learned on these tours and how has it helped you in your work musically just in your solo career?
1: Um, I think it's been really educational for me to just be like, um, that close to super successful people and just seeing how they sort of like run their business, like treat their creativity. Um and like I just learned so much about what th- what that looks like and and it's helped me try to emulate it then when I go to my own music and my my own business and artistry yeah. and like it's really informed the way that I approach everything
2: being um, part of like a touring band like that, do you feel like you kind of get like this fly on the wall type yeah. viewpoint of it because you don't have to necessarily be at like whatever it might be press conferences and autograph signings and you got you don't have to expend as much energy maybe as the as the full band.
1: Exactly. Like I get to I get to be a fly on the wall and just observe, you know, what it takes to like uh be successful on that level. And um I also see like it does take a tremendous amount of energy, but what from what I've experienced in my own career is it like when it's your music, you're like getting so much energy from that work. So it, yeah. it is just like um, it's not like you're just spending it all and then like exhausted at the end of the day. It's like it, it's a um, reciprocal relationship, you know. Yeah. And um, so that's that's inspiring to be around and just see see it working for somebody. So I'm like, it, if it it's working for somebody, it's possible. Which then when I go into my career, I'm like, it, I've seen it happen. So if I just like work harder and better and more efficiently you know this is kind of inevitable in
2: a way like I kind of I like that aspect I mean you and you also get a chance to see do I want this level of success absolutely <laughs> which I think is a question a lot of people probably don't ask themselves of like cuz there's just this dream happening inside your head but to get that fly on the wall aspect of being able to see it firsthand I mean I would, I would especially imagine with an act as big as sting i've got to ask was it it wasn't like the mid two thousands that you were on tour with him, was it? You didn't play regularly. No, no, with no. no.
1: Okay. And actually, that was just one week of work. So I did the NCAA halftime show with him. Oh, and nice. So we were we were in the studio for a week because the way that those halftime shows work is you pre record the the instruments, mm. so you're miming the instruments at the performance, but the singing is all live. So we spent a week in the studio like working out the arrangements and then recording. Um, The instruments. And uh, so I did get to like spend some good quality intimate time with him, which was fucking awesome. Sorry, can I test on this podcast? You
2: get crazy with it.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, it was amazing to like open my mouth and then the mouth next to me is Sting's voice. Like, that was totally surreal.
2: (laughs) Was he somebody that you listened to growing up quite a bit?
1: Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, I I don't know how you escape Sting. Exactly. Um, every breath you, you take, every move you make, every you break, every step you take. I'll be like, he's yeah. literally in your ear at all times. And I, like, as a jazz major and nerd in college, like, I fell in love with the aspect of him that was like hiring jazz musicians and like really. Just like, he's like very eager to expand his musicianship at all times. And um, so I really respected him as well as liked, you know, the hits. So to work with him was like, it was obscene. (laughs) It was such
2: a... Hashtag pinch me moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: (laughs) I mean, I just can't even imagine that being in that studio. And then thank you for the behind the scenes look at like how that happens. I would be really disappointed if I found out that Prince's guitar solo in the Super Bowl halftime show years ago wasn't real but I'll try and dig it and find that out for myself.
1: <laughs> well yeah and each of these like that works differently for that one it was like pre-recorded but it was us so it yeah. wasn't like in the can like yeah. you're hearing us play but you're hearing us play in the studio.
2: <laughs> gotcha um, and then I'm curious too, I've, and I'm I'm I've been living in Colorado for like the last five years, so I have to ask. You've played Lord, with Lord Here at Red Rocks, right? Yeah. Did you know of Red Rocks?
1: Uh yeah, I had played there before with Sarah Bareilles, oh, and okay. also like was a big fan of Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. I'm not- i'm not super proud of that um hey
2: i'm not either but i was i've, I've probably been to like 20 some shows of him's back in like 2001 to 05 in that range i just i would always go to alpine valley and see him
1: yeah so they they have a pretty popular live record from red rocks and i was so i was familiar with that venue from high school so it was, it was a big deal for me to play there anytime but definitely to do it again with them um because when I did it with Sarah, we were like opening for Got someone, it. so it was it was definitely like another big experience too. Well, I mean, and as
2: the as the main act, you usually get to play as Night's Falling, so you kind of mm-hmm. get to see that transformation. I can't imagine. I, I know I know it very well from the stands, but I have no idea what that would be like from the um, crowd looking up. That'd just be unbelievable. It's
1: beautiful. I gotta say, it's, it was fucking cold. So I, <laughs> a lot of that, stuff, I was just like trying to not feel cold and just like
2: (laughs) does that stiffen up does that stiffen it up on the ivory
1: oh yeah stiff and like vocally like I'm like I was literally shaking like so I was like trying to like use that as vibrato instead of like
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah I've got a little bit of um okay so we've got good history on you and kind of where you got to where you are now so now let's talk a little bit more about you and um your new album Genesis is coming out from what I'm seeing on the website, September 25th, right?
0: Correct.
2: Okay. So we're dropping September 25th and I love this. And it goes with the cursing that you're already bringing in such a brilliant way, which I will not even call cursing. I'll just call points of emphasis because it's (laughs) so important. And I had a therapist one time that told me that swearing actually helps relieve stress. So you just get nasty with it.
1: Oh, great. So So don't hold
2: back. Um, But you have this great quote that I want you to elaborate a little bit more on. it. it's, I wanted to make a record that feels good, but also to talk about real shit. So how does that differ from your past projects?
1: I think in the past, I, I was always talking about real shit, but like um, the music itself felt very heavy and kind of weighed down.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and like, you know, my last record, Get Lost, was unabashedly about like the suicide of my stepfather and my stepbrother overdosed. Um And I was just going through a super dark period of life, like so much grief, so much sadness. I'd also like, you know, went through a couple really sad breakups, like all in the, at the same time. Okay. And, and like, I'm really proud of that record and how it sounds. I think it was definitely like up to that point, it was a step up from what I'd done in the past. And, and, and as a performer, I was feeling Super strong, and I went toward toured that record in Germany, and I could tell that I was making a connection with the audience in a way I hadn't before. Like I, I'd really like found my footing as a singer and as a performer, and but like the material was so heavy. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wasn't really getting the experience that I wanted from that that reciprocal relationship with an audience. Like I want them, I want people to walk away like feeling something lighter. Yeah, <laughs> well, I get that. Laid down. And, and there is some catharsis in the sadness, too. I mean, I I would go watch Elliot Smith play, like, any day if I could. Yeah. But, um, but I just wanted, I wanted to entertain a different mood in this next work and, and, like, feel what that feels like to play live. And, of course, now that's not happening, so it's so ironic. But I, I wanted to make a bouncier-feeling record that live would be fun to play, but also it's like – and I'm talking about – how like crazy and wrong some of this stuff that we're all going through is. <laughs>
2: Absolutely, and I mean, I think that that's that's just. I think it's a very good thing for an artist to try and do in general is to try and challenge yourself to do that. Just be like, I've I've, I've I'll say this a couple of times throughout um, every interview that I do on this, but I've 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 played music, I've played in a lot of bands, I've taken taken weird stabs at songwriting and stuff. It's a huge challenge. But what I would do is just be like, I want to try and write a happy love song or something Mm -hmm. like that, because love songs are most always are sad. I wouldn't even say it's 50-50, like this happy, upbeat, like we just met, we're so in love, we're in the honeymoon phase, that kind of thing going on. I think most of the time it's about a breakup. And I was just like, I just wanted to try and write a happy song. So having that kind of a challenge, I think, is, is just really good. Do you think you accomplished what you wanted to with this?
1: Yeah, I did. And it helped that I was actually falling in love at the time. So it was like really easy. Like there, there's only one, there's two love songs. Um, and one of them is just like pure. Oh my God. I, I, it's called love you always. Like I'm going to love you always. This is it. Yeah. This is what I've been waiting for. And there's like not a tinge of sadness in it. I <laughs> um, like that. but it, but it, it is like, it's one of the more ballad-y, less happy sounding Yeah. songs on the record even though lyrically it's like oh my god I'm just like totally pure bliss. Well something
2: that I always fall back to as well is you can't have the highs without the lows so unless you had a couple of songs that had that vibe it might not feel as uppity.
0: Yeah.
2: We are going to talk a little bit about a moment that Misty shared with me just in very briefly um, in second grade. Now it sounds like you colored some sheets to declare your future career and it's likely no surprise but uh what was your result and talk to me more about these sheets
1: um they passed out like a handful of sheets that had career options on them and we were to like pick out which one we wanted and color it you know Hmm. like a second grade project and singer was one of the options and i was like uh duh (laughs) <laughs> and I, I I colored it in, and I remember seeing it up on the wall, next to other people who also. This is I'm gonna sound like such an asshole. They're, they're, I'm not the only one in the class who was like, I want to be a singer. And I remember looking up at the at the the row of you know people had you know colored their careers. There were some firemen and some policemen and some you know, like actors, dancers, you know, whatever. And I saw like a row of singers, and I was like, "Those people aren't going to actually be singers, though. I'm actually going to be a singer." Good like, I just for you. Knew.
2: <laughs> Through the power of Facebook, have you defined that that's actually the truth of it?
1: Um, I don't need Facebook. <laughs> like, I, I, didn't, no, nobody. Uh, I mean, I grew up in a small-ish town. Yeah. Like, I have some friends uh, who have made careers in music, but they definitely were not in that second grade class.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. And gotcha.
1: And you know, like, it's not like I'm from a place that there's no talented people, but um, I, I can. Did
2: anybody put up accountant? <laughs> or you guys were all just big dreamers?
1: I <laughs> don't think that that was a really fun, that wouldn't be fun to color.
2: No, it'd just be gray. It's like
1: white and gray. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot
2: of paper. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious too now. So this is a very unique thing. I think, I think most people It's it's almost impossible like you did this coloring thing I think as you get a little bit older and you're in school, you get these tests that you take and it kind of as you answer a series of questions and it starts forming where your strengths are and stuff and then it opens up like a door of here's some careers that might work for you but that might happen in like eighth or ninth grade or something like that who really knows for sure. But I think a lot of people just never really figure it out. They fall into something. If they're lucky enough, it interests them. But a lot of people are just going and working a grind of something that they have no interest doing, but it pays the bills. Yeah. So, how do you think this moment of yours, this second grade thing, just kind of sat in your subconscious? How has it led you to where you are today? Or do you think that they're connected?
1: I think they're absolutely connected. I I like I I felt that pull so strongly, and then. I would just like find things in life that, like, so two years later in fourth grade, I saw a movie called the thing called Love, which is about like a songwriter who most moves to Nashville and tries to make it. And I was like, oh, this this thing that's in my head is totally possible. I just saw it in a movie, <laughs> I mean, which is not really like a good grasp of reality, but <laughs> it wasn't it was a way like showed me that this is a thing. Yeah, and I just kept having you know affirmations of that, and then then it was like Jewel, like. Oh, you can make, you can start out by just like taking your guitar around and playing in coffee shops. Like I can fucking do that. I'll live in a van. Absolutely. And then Fiona Apple happened. It was like, Oh, she like locked herself in a room and wrote songs and then made this record. And like, you know, they kind of sell you a dream. Like all of these aren't like super realistic stories, but, but it's real. And it made it real enough to me that I was like, I think I can do this. I think this is a real path you can actually take. And it wasn't a like straight line. Cause I, I really wanted to be a singer, but I also like, there were a couple things in my family life that sort of like tamped that part down. Like mm. I, I didn't feel like I could actually sing. So I then started to hide behind the piano. I was like, how do I, how do I find this path through just playing piano? So I, I, I went, I started be like playing jazz and then went to college for jazz, even though like deep down, I always knew I wanted to be a singer and a songwriter. I was like, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable singing in public and like presenting my songs in public. Like it took a long time to get the courage to do that. But meanwhile, no. I was doing music the whole time. So, um, so did you there, have like, family support? Like, yes and no. Like I, the, the short answer is yes but it was always with the like, but you're so smart. You could do anything else. Like, please do anything else. Like, please don't do this. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, it wasn't until kind of honestly quite recently that like my dad kind of was like, Oh, this, this makes sense. Like you're making money consistently now. And I mean, I'm still worried because it's like, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And now that this pandemic hit, like I was like going to be on tour with Sam Smith this year. And like this, like it looked like i was you know on this up and up and up and up and it was like kind of set like i've got a career now that i can rely on and then you know all of a sudden that's that's gone so that's been quite a hit
2: stay tuned for more song facts podcast right after this guys it's not just it's it's the artists too and I think that there's actually one of the things I've been really um, happy to see is that there has been a lot of people saying these artists are out here they're not um, performing anymore this is the main way that artists make money because of you know the chaos of things like Spotify and um, the iTunes store and stuff like that where you are buying individual songs but you don't necessarily go buy albums so I will say mistyboys.com go buy the album when it comes out guys
1: go buy Help it on support yes. and
2: then find your other artists that you love and go buy their albums just do it because one it's better to listen to it on vinyl if you have the option i think we all know that yeah. and if you haven't listened to an album on vinyl come on <laughs> go and do it
1: um i thing. i'm not even pressing vinyl for this because without touring like cost. and without being able to sell a lot of merch like i i can't shake it business-wise so you know i don't I'm, I'm still trying to work that out i might do a kickstarter to just press vinyl but we'll, we'll
2: see not a bad idea i like that kickstarter is a really really positive thing um i am curious about a little bit more specifics of the album genesis so you kind of give us a little bit of a synopsis on it on this beautiful write-up on your website but what um, this song i've listened to over and over again this weekend where did the song the clearing come from and your oh. duet on your on the piano duet that you have on your website is just, just unbelievable one
0: drive could take the whole house down god only knows can't stop the sound of the outside coming inside can i hear once the set out loud
1: We should have better. We should have oh, Um, I just known saw Sonia yesterday. We, um, I wrote that with my friend Sonia Kreitzer. Her artist name is Doe Paro. And we got together like kind of in the middle of the Me Too movement. And we're just like, what is even happening? Like my paradigm, my mind is being blown. I'm like, I'm looking at my whole life differently. <laughs> like, <clears throat> um, there were also like a lot of fires happening and then like some flooding in her apartment happened. It just like felt like the end of the world, which now like, uh, that was just a shadow of what the end of the world could look like, or just, you know, was it the end of some kind of world, like, like a total identity shift was happening for women. And I think, uh, culturally across the board. Um, and then we've seen we're in, a, in the midst of another shift like that or a continuation of that shift. <clears throat> um, and we were just wrestling with like okay now we have it seems like there's a clearing now where it's out like the the woman's struggle is out people are now seeing like what we've been dealing with we're contending with what we've dealt with we're dealing with things that we've suppressed just in order to like keep surviving after the fires went out
0: that's in the rain came whatever we're gonna be now
1: gotta build it in the clearing just one spark and now there's a real opportunity to from that clearing like build something better yeah and are we gonna actually take that opportunity and build something better or are we just gonna muck it up with our like like because women have have just as much of the capacity to be selfish and self-serving and mm-hmm. vindictive and power hungry that men have. Yeah. So are we, are we going to actually do it better? Like, cause we're going to have to be honest about who we are in order to do that.
2: So um, do you feel like you're posing the question or do you feel like you go into trying to answer it as well?
1: I think the answer is the question. I think the answer is like, being open to there not being a concrete solution yeah the answer is is allowing is allowing to integrate chaos instead of needing to like put a flag on on this post of like yeah i know i yeah. know i think that the uh the intent to say i know is what's got us into this mess to begin with Nobody and,
2: fucking knows anything. No, nobody fucking knows anything. And what I love is that you've done this in a way now that the way that you just explained this to me, because I was getting, I'm listening to this lyric and the the chorus lyric is just the one that you're mostly on here. And I think is just this, this, you get this visual. And so I was visualizing what it meant to me and see, hearing what it means to you is really great because it connects it for me because I see this, like if you know this women's movement and all these other things that are happening and it's like the fires in Los Angeles that I think is kind of the the metaphor that go right along with this and when a forest burns down typically it fertilizes the soil and everything can grow back up just that much better and stronger Mm -hmm. and that's why they do like controlled burns and that's why they do that's deforestation and all that kind of stuff is to actually improve it in the future and it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about here. And really, are is humanity going to take the opportunity to make that improvement? That's, I think it's a really, really strong, deep place to come from. And I'm happy that you're asking that question because I don't think a lot of people are looking at that that way right now. And I think that it should be because this is an opportunity, even though there's so much chaos. I'm going to take you into my Game of Thrones nerdism. Um, Littlefinger.
1: I for watching it. I love that. Oh my god!
2: Yeah, there's a great quote that he has that I won't steal from you, but he says like, "chaos is a ladder." Like, if you have chaos, you have somebody has the opportunity to take advantage of that. I think with COVID, like Jeff Bezos made like twelve billion dollars one day, so he's obviously taken advantage of the ability of people to not be able to go shopping other places. Totally. So, really, really fascinating stuff. I really like that. Um, there's some more messaging on this as well. I love the idea of the Adam and Eve and how Eve represents women taking on these burdens. Yeah. Um, can you just highlight that a little bit for me? I mean, do you have a religious background and that's kind of where that stems from?
1: Yeah, I do. I was, I was raised Christian and <clears throat> became like, um, in the, on the evangelical side, my My uh, my mom was Baptist and so is my dad, but he kind of stopped going to church. But that's a whole other story. Like, I I was definitely indoctrinated and drank the Kool Aid um, up until about age twenty two. When I worked at a mega church, I was like the musical director Mm -hmm. at a mega church, and that experience like totally. I was like, oh, this is a charade, you guys. The Joel Osteen. I mean, (laughs) it's. A prototype of Joel Olstein, yeah. Oh, like man. that you can copy and paste that guy into like about ten to twelve major pastors at mega churches like across the country. Like wow. that they're just it's it's all the same shtick. And like, you know, just listening to the way he like he studies comedians and he like and it's all it's a play. Like they they use the music to elicit uh emotion and then you know use people's vulnerability kind of against them to be like you're not enough you need this we have it yeah <laughs> pay money and it's, it just all it, it like broke my heart because i to to watch something so pure get um used against people like that way just totally broke me so i was like fuck this yeah um and then started a very self-destructive journey at first uh, <laughs> to find, uh, you know, my my own truth. I was like, I think I'm gonna find it by just living. I I don't think what these people are 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 selling is works. And I'm gonna find it. And I feel like I have and 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 continue to like the Me Too movement like kind of cracked open some of these storylines for me in a new way. Like, holy shit, it's in everything. Like the Adam and Eve is the first bros before Hose. Like they yeah. they totally throw through Eve under the bus. Like Adam was a hundred percent complicit in like eating that apple. He has his own he can make his own decisions.
2: Yeah. It's all about yeah, how it's written, right? It's what angle was that written at?
1: Yeah. Like and also like she wanted to know stuff. That's a great quality. She's like, "I think if I if I eat this, I might understand more and I want to understand more." I think that's a really great like why did she get painted as evil by wanting <laughs> to like know some shit.
2: Well, thank you for doing that in a way that Can be relatable to people who might not, who might be like you, who might have just grown up in a family that it's like, you don't ever question it because it just is. And then all of a sudden they hear a song like that and they're like, wait a minute.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: He was at fault. This isn't just all on her. What the fuck?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's also not to say like, like men are evil. Like no one, no one in this story is evil. No. Everybody should be celebrated for what they are and not made to feel less than for just about anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, but it, it's difficult to have these paradigm shifts. Uh, I, I think, like, accepting that you've believed a lie for most of your life, I think for a lot of people is too hard to look at because yeah. it, it, it changes everything. Yeah. It, 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 I, I watched it in my own mom with the Me Too movement. In some ways, she's like, she's undergone, she's had to suffer so much trauma at the hand of, hands of men and this patriarchy that looking at it would break her heart again, knowing the life she could have had if she hadn't had to live that way.
2: Do you think a lot of people are in that, kind of stuck in that because they're just like, if I try and look at this through a different lens, I'm going to fill up with regret.
1: Yeah. Uh, and and resentment and anger and sadness. And you'll have to grieve it. And it's hard.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Because really people have been robbed of a beautiful life just for the sake of power and control. And, um, and it's Where do really... these
2: kinds of thoughts, how do they turn into songs for you then? I mean, I'm sure it's different every time, but you've got, you're a deep thinker. I think that that's clear. And it might be something that, started to happen because maybe you were just someone who was more like a surface person up until this point when you were 22 and you started to have these realizations of these things that you were following but now it seems like you've gotten to a point where you're um just thinking on a much deeper level and i think a lot of people can do that but taking that and turning it into beautiful music is a whole nother skill so kind of talk to me a little bit about that and how that process goes
1: i think i've i've actually always been a a deep thinker but it's it's like peeling back layers of an onion like you just get more understanding the more life experience you get and
2: and keep asking why
1: yeah keep asking keep seeking i mean i've always like just been an avid like seeker i want to know i want to get to the bottom of stuff Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of goes hand in hand with being an artist like it takes it takes understanding the way the whole thing works to really um to uh alchemize it or, or distill it into one cohesive thought yeah. so i think comedians and like good comedians and good songwriters and good storytellers are the people who can like kind of see the whole charade and then and then distill it into like one succinct idea um, that's what artists are are here for
2: yeah i think so if too art. no it's not <laughs> easy to,
1: like, see it and know it And it feels like the art is like um, the payoff for having to like having the burden in a way of like, I can't, I can't unsee what I've seen now.
2: Yeah. Being that you did um, that, you went to school for jazz and stuff. Are you a, I'm trying to just dive into the idea of music theory as of like recently, it's like my new kind of weird obsession. And um, are you deep into theory? Like, can you, can you analyze music that way? Is it just like another language to you?
1: Yeah. I love analyzing. The, like, I love theory. I love, love breaking down songs. I just actually learned um, this Glenn Campbell song, uh, Wichita Lineman. It is so complex and beautiful. Uh, and like, you just listen to it and like, it sounds easy breezy. Like it would be four chords and you get in there and it's like,
2: that's it i remember when i first started learning piano i was teaching myself piano for like the last five years and i went to one lesson because i was always trying to teach myself but you kind of plateau eventually and then this guy like taught me inversions and i just was like (laughs) i don't think i slept for two days because i was like all of these can be played and they have different feels and sounds this is madness yeah um okay so I want to let you get on with your day. So we're going to kind of go into a couple of things. First of all, I just want to see, let you give an opportunity to plug yourself. So where can people find you, your music, and, um, and then just kind of give us an idea. I know there's a lot of uncertainty out there. What's next for Misty Boyce?
1: Uh, Well, on the internet, you can find me at mistyboyce.com. And then all my handles are just Misty Boyce on Mm -hmm. Instagram and Twitter and all of those things. Um, I am on TikTok now too, but like I posted like three things. Um, (laughs) uh what's next for me is releasing this record and then like i don't everything's so day to day like Mm -hmm. and i I was gonna be on tour with sam smith that got pushed to 2022 there's a chance that lord huron might have some stuff next year but i don't really know like it's all so up in the air uh, up in the air and so i'm just trying to like keep creative and write a bunch of friends and and probably put more music out and intermittently and like just keep, keep the trying. creative
2: juices going. I like it. That's the yeah. best thing that you can do right now. And the best thing that you can do as a listener is go to mistyboys.com on September 25th and buy the album, people. Even though you'll be able to go stream it, I'm sure. Just go buy it. Oh, do a solid. Mind. Buy it for a friend if you don't want to buy it for yourself. You um, go. <laughs> we're going to dive into these big three questions, which you so graciously have to answer, which I think is just great. And you've said you've done some thinking on it, so I'm curious. Um, yeah. If you had to listen to one band the rest of your life, which one would that be?
1: Uh, Radiohead. Easy. Easy.
2: You didn't have to think about it. No. Okay, good. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and then what is one song that you wish you would have written?
1: Um, Everything is Free Now by Gillian Welsh. Really? I don't know if you know that song, but it's...
2: No, but we will play a little sample on this so that people can hear it, and then I'll link to it in the show notes.
1: Everything is free now.
0: That's what they say. Everything I ever done, gonna give it away.
2: Fantastic. And then this is the one that you don't know because I like to have a little mystery question. Um, what are some things that you do other than music to express yourself creatively?
1: Well, in quarantine, I have been like making these like quirky little like lyric videos I did a like a stop time animation one and um another weird one with a decaying apple um so <laughs> I I now fancy myself like somewhere between just an arts and craftser and like weird video editor lover <laughs> <laughs> uh I enjoy doing that I also like I meditate and exercise and like I don't know good I well talk rounded. a lot with my boyfriend about like we'll just talk for hours about like. The theory theory and philosophy.
2: <laughs> I really like that. See, I can get down with a bunch of talking like that. That's what my girlfriend and I do the same thing because now we're kind of doing this van life thing and we just uh a lot of time in the car together so the conversations get deep and, and weird.
1: Yeah deep and weird. I love that.
2: <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> um all right so you're gonna be nice enough to grace us with a some beautiful melodies here. So yeah. what song are you going to be playing and can you just tell us a little bit about it?
1: Uh, I'm gonna play Genesis Nun. Okay. Which is the first song from the record that that I released back in June and it features Taylor Goldsmith of Dawes who I love. Have been a fantastic.
2: Huge Taylor's not in the room guys, so I'm going to be doing not, the backup. No
1: I'm going to sing hard. It's fine.
2: Okay, that'll be great. All <laughs> right, we're ready when you are.
1: And in no time at
0: all, I'm alive, for the honey was you awake for it all, till the eyes put me under the light, and the dark side, whispering sweet to the but in no time at all, you're high for the money. You there for the fall. Now you're hiding from the thunder. Lightning strikes at parks. i come in up short sure for the high. Men getting rich, in pain for my soul. If admission to heaven costs you faking, I won't make it. In no time at all I'm a for the honey I was trying to stand tall Me the shade was standing under I can learn a lesson Buying from the owners You to me. Men getting rich from me paying for my sin. If admission to heaven costs me fake it, I won't make it. And in no time at all, I'm a buyer for your honey. And we're facing the wall, we built hiding from the thunder. Hands are a weapon, hold me up to see the sun. I see the sun rise. I see the signs.
2: Bravo. <laughs> really well done. I really like that. You really jump over a lot on that on the chord progression. Is that um kind of the theory side of things? Uh
1: yeah a little bit there's some like there's some nerdy stuff in there my um producer john had to teach me
2: mm-hmm.
1: that chord i know it on piano but i was like how the fuck did you play that
2: <laughs> <laughs> really well done misty Boyce. thank you so much for your time and just what a I had a really great time just talking to you and had a fun conversation
1: I had a great time too. This is really, I feel like catharsis happened.
2: Absolutely. We might've reached some new peaks. (laughs) Um, uh, Everybody go check out a new album again. That is September 25th. Genesis is thy name. And it, there's a couple songs out there for you to go and get a taste of it and it tastes sweet. I can't wait to hear the rest. And uh, I'm just so happy that I was introduced to you and I've now got some new music in my life that I'm just loving. So thank you so much. And you have a really fantastic rest of your Sunday. All right. Well, thank you so much to Misty. And if you are liking this, please do us a favor. Tell a friend, subscribe, leave a review. And as always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com.